1: Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes. Enter the Kingdom in IMAX this Friday and theaters everywhere. Get tickets now.
2: Angie's list is now Angie, the nation's largest home service marketplace. They're here to help homeowners get all their jobs done well. Angie has helped over 150 million homeowners care for their homes. Whatever your home project, big, small, indoor, outdoor, come to Angie to connect with and hire skilled pros to get the job done well. Listen, I've got a couple of things in a bathroom in my house. Got to get it fixed. Thanks for listening to the Best of the Herd podcast. Be sure to catch us live every weekday on Fox Sports Radio at noon to 3 Eastern, 9 a.m. to noon Pacific. Find your local station for the herd at foxsportsradio.com or stream us live every day on the iHeartRadio app by searching Fox Sports Radio or FSR. This is the Best of the Herd with Colin Cowherd on Fox Sports Radio. Ah, here we go, Our number one, it's Friday live in Los Angeles, it is The Herd, wherever you may be and however you may be listening, one hour from now, The Blazing Five, I'm not sure what to make of my Blazing Five, it's a weird week, I'm taking a 17 and a half point favorite, I don't think I've ever done that, I'll just tell you right now, I like the Cowboys, I don't love them, but I like them, and I don't like the Giants at all, and J-Mac is joining us. J-Mac, so that was pretty unwatchable, but there is a storyline to even bad games because we know this to be true. If you get a C.J. Sprout or an Andrew Luck or a Trevor Lawrence, you don't have a bad roster, you start winning games real quick, right? You get the right coach, right roster. So, last night seems really, really bad, hopeless, and unwatchable, right?
3: Well, we're doing a lot of blaming the roster on this Bryce
2: Young experience so far. But I don't care about Carolina. What I care about is Chicago. Congrats on the win, but is Chicago too good right now? The only standings and the only scoreboard the Chicago Bears should care about at all is the top 10 draft picks. They got two picks, but now Chicago's got three wins. So, they're out of the Drake-May-Caleb-Williams sweepstakes. And let's be honest, Chicago has pieces. They have a very good tight end, a very good wide receiver, a very good tackle. In fact, I'd argue two capable tackles, a very top young defensive lineman, an interesting secondary. They need a quarterback and a head coach. There are a lot of versions of bad in this league. A lot of versions of bad in this league. The Giants, I like their coach. They're quarterback bad. Arizona? I like their quarterback, Uh, their roster bad, Chicago's leadership bad, the owner, oldest and one of the poorest in the sport, head coach, overwhelmed, quarterback, average and hurt too much. But if they got Ben Johnson, a Drake May, it'd be kind of interesting. I mean, why is Houston winning? I like D'Amico Ryans because CJ Stroud can play. And he was a B2B plus. He was a Jared Goff comp. Drake May and Caleb Williams are higher comps, and they'll probably draft or, excuse me, hire an offensive coach. So, Chicago's not going to end up with just their three wins. Go look at their schedule this morning. They end the season hosting Arizona, Atlanta, and then they play Green Bay. Their defense is now playing better. Their defense is healthy. Their secondary is good. I even like their running backs. They're three and seven. They're going to win a game or two to go four and five and seven. The New York Giants are not. What they need is for Carolina to be awful. The good news, they're 1-8 and and are awful. But Carolina's in a terrible division. They play Tampa at home, Green Bay at home, Atlanta at home, Tampa Bay again. They beat Houston so they can win a couple of these games. I mean, seriously, they beat Houston. So my takeaway is Chicago last night, they've got pieces. If you would have given them C.J. Stroud last night at quarterback... Chicago wins by 24, 28, 30 points. They just need a quarterback and a coach. I'd prefer a new front office guy, and I'd prefer a younger, more spry, vibrant owner, but that's not going to happen. So if Carolina wins just two more games in that bad division with bad teams, often at home, then Chicago isn't getting Caleb or Drake May. The only way they could get one of them is a bidding war with seven other teams to get to that number two spot. So all that draft capital you got, right, for the Bryce Young pick, you'd have to surrender all of it. So part of what could make Chicago great is a new young offensive coach, a star quarterback with draft picks. So he's not standing around. You want him to have another receiver, a great center, free agent space. So you say to yourself, well, that game was boring. Maybe, but the Chicago element to that game is fascinating. Because I think Chicago's got some pieces. You can argue on that, but they got three wins now. Look at their schedule. If Justin Fields comes back, they're not going 3-14. and 14. They're going to win a, another game, probably two, potentially three. Then you're out. You're, you, you, you have to get into a bidding war. You have to pray Carolina remains awful. And I don't think Carolina's going to win a lot, but go look at Carolina's schedule. It's the worst division in football. Bad teams at Carolina where they already beat Houston. So this is much more interesting than you think because I don't think Chicago is hopeless. They have a leadership void. There's all sorts of bads in the NFL. The roster today in Chicago is better than two years ago. The receivers are better. The secondary is better. They've got tackles that can play. They just got Montez Sweat. They've got a legitimate front five player. Just need the quarterback. All right, so this story, this thing is, we may get news in the next 90 minutes on this. Sources now indicate the Big Ten will give Michigan a response early this afternoon. Now, the Wolverines on Fox, best game easily of the weekend at Penn State. Huge, huge game, massive ramifications. The Big Ten we've learned, this is ESPN, has considered a gamut of punishments. We're hearing this morning it could be a three-game suspension for Harbaugh, which would be significant, and it could start this weekend. So uh, when I saw this this morning, listen, generally speaking, if a major controversy, and this is basically, although I think it's silly, a cheating scandal. If it surrounds a team, it's not good for the team. And Michigan is absolutely engulfed in it. And according to this story, the Big Ten is delivering a mountain of punishment right before they go on the road. I covered a college coach once with a good program that was going through a divorce. Program went completely sideways. So would it be surprising if Michigan just unraveled? Find me a college basketball, college football coach, teaching young men going through a personal or professional crisis. Does it ever work out? Now, I think the timing of the Big Ten's punishment, according to this story, feels very personal. This is the Big Ten, the commissioner, feeling tons of pressure from athletic directors in the conference to deliver something At this time, they could easily deliver this Sunday morning after the Penn State game. They could easily deliver this Monday or Tuesday of Maryland week. For the Big Ten to deliver it now is a message to Jim Harbaugh. Clearly, the athletic directors have a vendetta. They're angry, and the Big Ten is buying in. I saw a story this morning from Pete Tamil, respected college sports reporter. Jim Harbaugh's attorney, Tom Mars, tells ESPN, he does expect Jim Harbaugh to fly with the team to Penn State. ya. So how does this not disrupt them? The timing of this So at Penn State, one of the tougher places to play in the country. at Maryland, a team that can certainly score Ohio State. Yeah, they're pretty good. Next three weeks. That, that is just this, this thing is becoming a, a very personal. Uh, The Big Ten putting massive pressure on the commissioner, delivering it this afternoon, hopefully this afternoon as Michigan boards a flight, the coach is there. Uh, Joel Klatt talked about the timing of potential punishment on our show Wednesday. I have defended the process, and and I've been an ardent defender that, Tony Petiti and the Big Ten should not circumvent the process, and the process being gather evidence, all of it, deliver the evidence to those accused, and then make a judgment afterwards. If rules were broken, they should be punished, and it looks like rules were broken. The hard part is, is that if you rush ahead of the process and you allow mob mentality to force you into action, if you're Tony Petiti, you're setting a very dangerous precedent. The other thing to consider is that this was, what I've been told, more of an inside leak. This was not Ohio State, Purdue, Iowa. No. Somebody inside the circle of Michigan's family could be an administrator, a booster, a donor. Somebody doesn't like Jim. He's a polarizing figure. Donors can be very needy. Nobody's needier and more precious than billionaires that want to be the man, want attention, want to be treated a certain way. They're really needy, especially college people, often with an alumni uh, history, a plaque on the wall. They're big donors. Uh, Sports donors are as needy as it gets. Um, And it's why a lot of college football coaches either leave for the NFL or at least try it. Spurrier, Saban, Urban, they get over that very quickly. So right now... Michigan is strongly behind Harbaugh, but if the punishment's severe, if they lose at Penn State, corporations and companies and big donors could put pressure on Michigan to move off Jim. I think it'd be a big mistake. But this thing is fluid; the timing of it is uh, undeniable. And uh, I just I looked this morning, and I'm like, at Penn State, at Maryland, two East Coast trips, then Ohio State. With this circus, how do they not unravel? I think they're a great team, but there are limitations on how much, uh, you know, you can put up in a corner box in your brain and hide. You got to deal with some stuff emotionally. And through my career of covering college programs, when the coach goes through a personal or professional controversy or duress, it always unravels the team. Maybe this week could be next. How long can you compartmentalize this if you're Jim Harbaugh? I think it's virtually impossible for human beings to do that. It's crazy. I mean, this has been like three weeks. There's zero chance
3: they've gathered all the evidence necessary, heard Michigan's side of the argument, deposed or whatever you want to call it, all the parties at, at hand. Like, what are we doing here? <laughs> this is just really, as Platt said, a horrible precedent. Like you're rushing this to
2: get him what suspended for the final three games of this season. Well, like, I think they, I think people are saying they haven't played anybody inside the conference. Let's throw a little turbulence in this flight at Penn State. I, I mean, let's it, it. Look at the line on this game. Michigan is clearly better, and the odds makers. Are factoring in baking in this controversy. If Michigan lost and played poor football for the first time, I mean, they've lost you know, they lost in the last couple of years, not much, but they play really high-end football. If they were a disrupted mess, I read this all this morning, would you be shocked? I just my history yeah. of covering college coaches, it could be uh, I mean, it could be infidelity, it could be a cheating scandal, it could be controversy with the A.D. It always unravels the team. In the NFL, it's basically the owner's mad at you. Unless you're winning Super Bowls, the owner's always mad at you. But you don't see a lot of the personal stuff. In college, you see it all the time. I I just can't remember a situation where we
3: hear news, and then within like two or three weeks, boom, a a verdict is rendered instantly. I was looking this morning. I can't find an example of this kind of rush to judgment. I know. uh, Feels like ruin a perfect season for Michigan and Harbaugh. I I don't know. It just
2: kind of feels bad for college football. Not a great look. Uh, uh, Same here. I have a great parlay for you this weekend. Thanks to DraftKings Sportsbook new users. Please use the code HERD, H-E-R-D, when you download the app. Takes a couple of minutes. Now for my parlay picks of the week via DraftKings Sportsbook. I'll take Lions minus two and a half at the Chargers. You know the Chargers don't have much of a home field advantage, and I think the Lions' excellent offensive line can hold off the Chargers' pass rush. I'll take the Cardinals at home plus one and a half against Atlanta. Kyler Murray returns. He wouldn't return unless he was ready to play. I'll take the Cowboys minus 16. I know, weird, right? I hate big favorites. The Giants offense, though, currently with this quarterback is the worst I've seen in the NFL in years. If you want to take the Herd parlay, check out DraftKings Sportsbook. New users, please use the code HERD, H-E-R-D. When you download the app.
0: 21 plus in most eligible states, but age varies by jurisdiction. Eligibility restrictions apply. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. In New York, call 877 8 hope and or text hope and 467 369 See show notes for full details.
2: Hi, it's the Herd. The NBA playoffs are heating up, and so is the action at DraftKings Sportsbook an official sports betting partner of the NBA. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. It's easy, 90 seconds. Use the code HERD, H-E-R-D. That's code HERD for new customers to get 150 in bonus bets when you bet just five bucks. Only on DraftKings, the crown is yours.
0: Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY-467-369. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call Call 888 789 7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort in Kansas. 21 plus, age varies by jurisdiction, void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.co slash for eligibility and deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources.
1: Enter the kingdom in IMAX this Friday and in theaters everywhere. Get tickets now.
4: This is it.
2: We've got an Amex Platinum Pro on our hands, ladies and gentlemen. We haven't seen anyone relax like this before in the Centurion Lounge. Is he connecting to complimentary
0: Wi-Fi? Oh, my. Look at that. He is. And you will not believe where he's
3: going next. The Amex dedicated card member entrance for the win unbelievable. When you get travel perks with Amex Platinum, you're part of the action. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex.
2: Brandon Cooks of the Cowboys. This could be worrisome news. Has talked about, I'm not getting the ball. Wide receiver acquisition. Very low production. It can mess with you if you get into it. Mike McCarthy addressed that yesterday for the Cowboys. I don't play fantasy football. You know, I don't have... You know
1: we we have we have game plans, um, and I think it's important. And this is which which is a challenge for for guys uh, because our system's built on making the quarterback successful. That's the way this past game's taught. It's the way I've learned it. It's the way it's always been in the last thirty years.
2: So worry not, Cowboy fans. You're going to hammer the Giants this weekend, and then you're going to hammer Carolina. You do that right, you beat the bad teams up seven and three. Then you'll get Washington at home on Turkey Day, 8-3, although it will be a little competitive, and you will be big win, big TV audience. The Cowboys will be 8-3, and, and poised to be a playoff team. The buy-in begins with the Cowboys this weekend. They're still telling you how well they played in the loss to Philly. Three weeks, they're going to be 8-3. and three. But it's been my contention that this was actually going to be one of the more predictable Cowboy years ever, is that they matched up with Philadelphia pretty well, but they're not as deep, the quarterback's not as good, and they'll be a wild card team. Check, we got that box as of now. That Brandon Cooks will not be a savior. There's a reason he bounces around the league. Check, we've got that box. That you will miss Kellen Moore. Check, Cowboys not nearly as good in the red zone offensively. And you will miss Dalton Schultz, An underrated tight end. Check. He was great last week for Houston. Also, that bad teams, you will roll them because you've got a certain mentality. Dak is an amazing home favorite quarterback. But you will lose to good teams like Philadelphia because of situational football, not because you don't have the talent. Check. So as of this morning, check, check, check. We're five for five. Five for five. We're going to be six for six after they hammer the Giants and Carolina. That feels pretty assured. I always feel with the Cowboys that I'm like the parent on Halloween that warns their kids, don't eat all the candy or you're going to get a stomachache. And they do, and they do. And so the thing with Dallas, this, the only thing I can't predict, they will be a playoff team. They're going to be eight and three. And they're really going to be in the buy-in as the schedule stiffens. They'll win enough to be a playoff team. The question is, will they lose as a road playoff team to Philly, Detroit, or Seattle situationally? They'll match up fine with all of them. But they'll butcher it somewhere late in one of these games. We warned you. Be sure to catch live editions of The Herd weekdays at noon Eastern, 9 a.m. Pacific
1: on Fox Sports Radio, FS1, and the iHeartRadio app.
2: So I saw this. Uh, it was really interesting. I, I've been really hyped up on the Buffalo Bills for years. Uh, and I think I've, I've just overvalued their talent because I like Josh Allen and Stephon Diggs. Uh, but even the Von Miller acquisition, I thought, it's that much money now? So um, the Buffalo Bills had a players-only meeting for the offense. In the history of player-only meetings – one thing happens. It works briefly, but the coach is eventually fired. Or it doesn't work at all, and the coach is eventually fired. Uh Bill Parcells, Jimmy Johnson, Bill Walsh, Vince Lombardi, Don Shula, I don't, Andy Reid, not a lot of player-only meetings. Uh the other thing you hear when the coach is in trouble is the players start saying stuff like. Hey, it's not on the coaches. We got to do better. Josh Allen yesterday. It's not Ken Dorsey. We've got to do better. Uh, Ken Dorsey is not Brian Dable. So three things are very, very clear. Is that Ken Dorsey may be more than capable, but Brian Dable is a high-end coordinator and Dorsey's not Dable. That doesn't mean Dorsey's not capable. Number two is Sean McDermott's personality, which leans toward rigid, can be very tough on assistants. That's inarguable. And the other thing we have to be honest about is that this team's had brutal injuries to defense. They've lost a very good safety, their top corner, their top linebacker, one of their top defensive tackles. This is a defensive culture with Josh Allen, and the defense isn't as good. So when you see the headline, players only meeting that's like getting a uh, text from your boss, hey, swing by before you leave the building today, or from your wife, wife um, we need to talk. Those, those are the three headlines or text you never want to get. Your wife says, we need to talk. Your boss says, swing by the office. And then once you do, he said, close the door and players only meeting. It's bad. Um, now you're getting players. That's not the coaches. You know, we had Jordan Palmer on, uh, earlier and yesterday, and Jordan has been a quarterback coach forever. He knows Josh Allen. He knows Burrow, Mahomes. He worked with all of these guys. And we talked about what's wrong with Buffalo. And sometimes it's not necessarily, although I think in Buffalo's case, there are some things that are wrong. Uh, it's not always what's wrong. It's that somebody right just left the building.
1: I just think Dable a very special coordinator. I got a lot of guys who I I hear what they're running, and I know how they install it. And there was things that Dable did where, you know, they'd take a shot up in a game, they wouldn't hit it, and then next play they'd take a shot again. And so there was it was just there was a very aggressive mentality, and I think that's a hard thing. Where whatever the reason is, whether they move on uh, to be a head coach or they just move on, that's a hard thing to replace. But the reality is, is this team's won a lot of games, and they've been in it at the end of the season for. Three years now. There's more than just figuring out how we're going to stop this
2: opponent. There's figuring out how to fill these major voids. I just I think when you lose four or five guys from one side of the ball, and they're all very good, and you've already got limitations on the other side of the ball outside of one good receiver and a star quarterback, Buffalo's not that good. They're good. At home, they can be tough. But this week, they face Denver, offensive coach, capable quarterback, improving defense run game off a bye. Would you be shocked if Denver beat Buffalo? I would not. Greg Cosell
4: talked about it. The film doesn't lie on the Bills. It's a very condensed offense right now, Colin. They do not work at the intermediate and deeper levels the way they did in the past. They're lacking explosive pass plays. I think there's a myth out there that this is a really highly talented offense. They've got a high-level quarterback. They've got Diggs, who's a very good receiver, but not a vertical dimension. They don't really have a number two wideout on any kind of consistent basis. Their O-line is probably average. They still have not developed any meaningful run game. The way they always scored in the past was they would make explosive pass plays, and that has not happened this year they don't have the personnel to do it he's mike Carmen
1: i'm dan Byer. we have a brand new fantasy football podcast called i want your flex twice a week every tuesday and friday we come up with new episodes to not only look back at what happened what you need to do at that minute, and also look ahead of what's coming up in the fantasy football world.
0: That's right, Dan. Every week we're going to scour the waiver wire to find the pickups to turbo boost your fantasy lineup sits, starts fantasy football players' rankings to get you ready to dominate the competition. Listen to I Want Your Flex with Mike Harmon and me, Dan Beyer, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple
1: Podcasts, and wherever you get your podcasts.
2: It is not An NFL schedule chock full of great games. There's an argument the two best games of the weekend are Michigan-Penn State. It's on Fox. Jags-Niners, it's on Fox. Those are the two must-watch games. Uh, A lot of teams have buys that we like to watch, like Philadelphia-Miami. So it's not must-win territory for San Francisco yet, but it's weird. They've lost three straight. There have only been two teams ever to lose four-plus straight games and still just reach a Super Bowl. One of them was 20 years ago, and that was the Raiders. That was a different sport. And then one was the New York Giants. Um, and they don't have Eli Manning as a quarterback here. Uh, but it does. It's not, it's not must-win, but it does sort of feel like if they lose four straight, it does sort of feel like you know we probably have to go out and get another quarterback at some point in the draft. This roster is built for the Super Bowl. It's loaded. Now, Tom Brady, a six-round pick. I'm not saying Brock Purdy is Tom Brady, but Tom was a young six-round pick. In year two, after a Super Bowl, they lost four straight. Young quarterbacks tend to be hot and cold. Even young quarterbacks who have good rookie years have what they call sophomore slumps. It wouldn't be shocking if C.J. Stroud next year, everybody's got film, regressed a little. This happens all the time. Losing streaks happen all the time. They don't, they don't happen much with Mahomes or Lamar Jackson, but they do with young quarterbacks. But here's what's worrisome. Their schedule's brutal. This is the easy part. Now they've got Seattle twice, the Ravens and the Eagles, and the Jags this weekend. So five of their last nine weeks are the Ravens, Eagles, Seattle twice, and the Jags. If you look at the NFC playoff picture, uh, if San Francisco loses this weekend, and I'm not saying they're not as good as the Falcons or the Commanders or the Vikings, but if they lose this weekend and their schedule is much tougher down the stretch than the Falcons and the Vikings. So uh, San Francisco loses this isn't good. This is not good. It, so it does feel like must win territory. And in a must win territory, they go in with a significantly less talented quarterback. They face an offensive team off a bye at home that is really good against good teams. Nobody's given Jacksonville credit. They're not they're not beating the dregs of, of the NFL. They're beating good teams. They hammered Buffalo. So the offense isn't quite what it was. We've talked about this, j Mack and I. Now they're bringing the defensive coordinator down to the field, Steve Wilkes, because they're underperforming. It's not nearly as good a defense in the red zone. They're starting to commit lots of turnovers. So when you when teams start bringing coordinators down to the field, like that's like a move you you ideally want them upstairs. You bring them down when you got trouble. So San Francisco's feeling like we got to get our defensive coordinator down the field. Brock Purdy's committing turnovers. This is not a place you want to go on a losing streak. Jacksonville off a bye. It's not where you want to go. The offense, the defense struggling. Here's Kyle Shanahan.
5: You don't ever want to take stuff away from other teams because other teams always make it harder. Um, But I do feel the times we've struggled, we've um, just made some key mistakes that I think we're
1: capable of not making. And I think we're the ones who have slown herself down. I mean, I don't think when you look at how little we've punted and things like that, um, you should have points to match with that. And I don't think
2: we have the last few weeks. We've got to get more points. So I don't want to spend a lot of time talking about Carolina. They are ratings poison. Uh, but I will say watching Bryce young last night, we're all making judgments, right? So Bryce young looks small. We knew that going in 510, 190, but he looks a little overwhelmed now. Carolina's offense is talentless. They have no speed. Uh, They drafted a receiver last year, Mingo. He looks like a three to a four. They're slower than New England, and that's saying something. The offensive line's bad. Even New England's is okay. They don't have a number one receiver, a number one tight end, a number two receiver, no team speed. And you're asking a rookie quarterback to do it. But we've seen C.J. Stroud with the Texans overcome a pretty average roster. Now, that roster has some speed. Tank Dell, Nico Collins, they got some guys that can run on the perimeter. Carolina does not. But C.J. Stroud, and we always talk about this word, can you overcome? That's what all star quarterbacks can do. C.J. Stroud, wonky ownership, defensive coach, first-time coordinator, good left tackle, but injury-ravaged offensive line, and no run game. None. And C.J. Stroud is overcoming. You don't have to be an overcomer to be a franchise quarterback. I think Dak Prescott is a franchise quarterback and pretty darn good. I don't see him as an overcomer. Bryce Young does not appear to be strong enough, dynamic enough to overcome holes and obstacles. And that's why Burrow and Herbert immediately you knew. Herbert had the lowest ranked O-line in the league and Herbert set rookie quarterback records. Not Mahomes, not Joe Montana, no, no, no. Herbert, Justin Herbert, Joe Burrow, terrible O line, got to a Super Bowl. So you can be a franchise quarterback and not be an overcomer. Derek Carr to me, he's a franchise quarterback, Kirk Cousins, but they can't overcome. What's exciting about CJ Stroud, he's overcoming a lot of nonsense. That is rare. There's about seven guys in the world that can do that. I like Jalen Hurts. I don't know what he overcomes. He's just good. Right? He hasn't had to overcome a lot. So, uh, now, Houston does have a very elite left tackle. Carolina doesn't. Houston has an excellent tight end, Dalton Schultz. He's a number one. Uh, Carolina doesn't. Uh, They have two receivers who can really run. Carolina doesn't. So, there's stuff that C.J. Stroud has. But ownership, health, Coach, first-time coordinator. Uh, C.J. Stroud isn't just surviving, he's flourishing. So this was a B to B-plus quarterback group, right? Anthony Richardson didn't have a lot of reps. Bryce Young was small. C.J. Stroud didn't look dynamic with a lot of juice. Will Levis, cocky, big arm, but didn't love him. So it was a B to a B-plus quarterback group. It does appear, and there's surprises every class, that C.J. Stroud is the best quarterback. He could be an A again. Sophomore slumps are very common. Would not be shocking if CJ Stroud pulls back a little. Everybody has an offseason in film. That is incredibly common. I think Peyton Manning had a pullback year. People get filmed, they see what you can't do. Um, But CJ Stroud appears to be the best. Will Levis has the best arm. Anthony Richardson is the most athletic. Some of it's not a surprise. Levis' arm, Anthony's uh, athletic ability. Bryce Young is small. But um, I'm not saying he's a bust. That's, that's different. A bust is different. You can see bust really fast. I don't see bust. What I see is, I don't know if he can overcome stuff. Uh, in terms of size, listen, two is small. Kyler's small. Bryce Young's small. There's a reason that most quarterbacks, as we watched football from the 70s on, were 6'2 and a half or up. You'd ideally, if Bryce Young was 6'2, two, 220, you'd feel different about it. Even if it was the exact same stats, you'd feel... C.J. Stroud looks big. Anthony Richardson looks compact, big. Will Levis looks thick. Justin Herbert, big. Allen. Lamar Jackson, by the way, has gotten thicker every year. Jalen Hurts, year two to three. Remember we saw the practice video? <laughs> like guy's got gun show. So, I mean, Russell Wilson's put on weight. Now he's brought it back. Uh, Kyler Murray, again, he he he's pretty stout for his size, but... You know, when you watch, it looks small. And there's a reason for years, quarterbacks weren't 5'10", 188 pounds. We said that going in. This is why he was a B prospect, not an A, his size. But um, here's Greg Cosell. You know, he was talking about C.J. Stroud yesterday, about how good he was. And here's Greg.
4: I think he could roll out of bed and be precise with his ball location. He's just one of those guys. He's got a compact delivery. He's a naturally precise ball location thrower. But the trust he shows, Colin, in in throwing the ball early because he sees it cleanly is really high level for a young player.
0: Be sure to catch live editions of The Herd weekdays at noon Eastern, 9 a.m. Pacific. That's a hot one. Let's blaze it up. Fire it up.
1: It's Colin's Blazing Fire. 49ers and Jaguars. Can
2: we all just admit Jacksonville's good? They're at home, off a bye, plus three. I'm going to take them. They're 2-0 against the weaker NFC this year. Trevor Lawrence is 3-1 against teams with winning records. This is not Dallas Fool's goal. Trevor Lawrence in the last 17 games has been everything we were promised out of college. 13-4, 70% completion rate, 100 passer rating, 6 picks. The kid's a dog, man. He's ready to go. He's a player in the NFC's week. And the 49ers, their defense isn't as good. Now they're bringing their defensive coordinator down to the field. That's a problem. Brock Purdy, five interceptions, last three games. People have film. I know they're on a bye. Jacksonville's on a bye. Better quarterback at home. Doug Peterson's teams always play well November on. I like the Jags to win it. I'll take the points, 27-24.
1: Lions at Chargers. We're not
2: getting the best number. It was great at minus one, but I'm still going to take the Lions. I think it's my favorite pick of the week. They're coming off a bye. Offensive coaches off a bye. They're 3-1 and on the road. And their defense, which was the worst in the league, is pretty darn good this year. They have allowed the fewest big plays in the league. And the Chargers don't get big plays anymore. David Montgomery returns. He changes their offense. Really nice running back. Back -back Back-to-back 100-plus games when he was healthy. The Chargers' wins have come against the Dregs, Jets, Bears, Raiders, Vikings. They're 1-3, and three, a little fool's gold with the Chargers against winning teams. Corey Lindley, the center's out. Uh, Mike Williams, Josh Palmer, they do not throw the ball down the field, and the Lions do not give up big plays. I like the Lions to win here 30-24. Giants and Cowboys. I've never done this. I've never taken a 17-and-a-half-point favorite. But the Cowboys outgained. I'm going to take them here. They outgained the Eagles in Philly by 114 yards. Dak is a great home favorite. They're 10 and one off a loss the last three years. That's the best in the NFL. I'm taking Dallas. They're also five and one against teams under 500. They're bullies. Again, little fools gold with Dallas. But if they're a favorite, they'll bully you. The Giants' offense is pathetic. Tommy DeVito is undrafted. Listen, if they had Tyrod Taylor, this line would be nine, and I would take the Giants. Darren Waller's out. I I don't take big favorites. I don't know how this game is competitive. A couple of weeks ago, we took the Cowboys as our favorite bet against the Rams. Dak is a great home favorite, and this is a completely inept BB gun of an offense. Cowboys roll them 40-10.
1: Commanders at
2: Seahawks. Okay, pretend the Baltimore game didn't exist because Baltimore is 17-1 and against the NFC. If you've never played Lamar Jackson, you can't duplicate him in practice. That game doesn't exist. Seattle's really good. They're home. They're ticked off. They were humiliated. they won 5-7. They've held opponents. They have a pass rush now. It's a Pete Carroll team. Run the football, good at home, pass rush. Commanders' offensive line is terrible. Have you looked at the most sacked quarterbacks in the league? You think Zach Wilson's under duress. Sam Howell has been sacked 35% more than any quarterback in the league. And their defense, you think Ron Rivera. Two of their best line guys are gone. They allow six yards of play. Seattle at home, in a bad mood. Forget Baltimore gets healthy. Seahawks win
5: 30-20. Broncos at Bills. I don't
2: think Buffalo's very good. They've lost too many good defensive players. I'm going to take the Broncos. I know, I know you're not giving them a fair chance. But let me tell you about Denver in a second. Take the Broncos. Extra rest for Sean Payton. Four straight games of 100 yards rushing. Playing younger defensive players, they've held opponents under 20 points in three straight games. Russell Wilson is now being smartly used as a complimentary player. Well, he's very good as a complimentary player. Take away the first three to four weeks. That's not what Denver is now. They're younger on defense. They're running the football. Russell Wilson's a complimentary player. And let's be honest about Buffalo. Lost their best corner, their best linebacker, a top interior defender, a safety. They're just not as good. They don't blow teams out. Buffalo's lost the turnover battle in four straight games. Each of their last five games have been decided by six points or less. This is going to be close. I'm going to take Denver with an upset 27-26. It is hard to unsee things. And Denver was so bad in the first month, it is hard to unsee that. They are running the ball. Russell Wilson, complimentary quarterback play. I am going for an upset. Denver wins. So here are my picks. I don't know if I love them. J-Mac is scoffing, rolling his eyes. But I'm going to take the better quarterback in the points at home, Jacksonville. I'm going to take... Points with Denver, a team has momentum, Buffalo doesn't. And then in terms of favorites, I think the Lions over the Chargers at minus one was... Hi, it's the Herd. The NBA playoffs are heating up, and so is the action at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. Teams are knocking on the door of the conference finals, and DraftKings Sportsbook has you covered every step of the way with same-game parlays.
1: a young ape will fight for the future of apes and humans alike and embark on a journey that will redefine the planet. Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes. Enter the kingdom in IMAX this Friday and in theaters everywhere. Get tickets now.
3: There's no distance too far for the perfect trip. Hi, checking in for... Or the perfect table. Hey, where are you? Coming! And when you get access to Resi Priority Notify with your Amex Platinum card. Hey, this looks amazing. I'm so glad you made it. And travel benefits at fine hotels and resorts booked through Amex Travel. It's worth the trip. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com with Amex.
2: The bet of the week, it's now minus three. That's not the best number. Mm. If Blazing Five was on Monday, we'd probably have a higher winning percentage. But I think Detroit, again, take out the Baltimore loss. This is a really good Detroit team.
1: Be sure to catch live editions of The Herd weekdays at noon Eastern, 9 a.m. Pacific on Fox Sports Radio, FS1, and the iHeartRadio app.
2: Will Blackman, 12 years in the league, a Super Bowl with, with the Giants. You know, I'm watching Carolina last year night. They're awful. You mostly played. You had the Giants, Packers. You played with very formidable organizations most of your career, but you did spend time with Jacksonville. What is it like... <laughs> were playing and working for a really bad team. Is it depressing?
5: Yeah, it's, it's funny because you asked me, you said, have you been on a really bad team? I was like, yeah, the, the worst team I've been on was Jacksonville in 2013. And it, it was such a um, unique situation because Shaq Khan just bought the team. So you had a new owner, you had a new general manager, you had a new head coach in Gus Bradley. You had new uniform, new stadium, new locker rooms, new training rooms. Everything was brand new. At that place. And it was really tough because you, they really had to start from scratch. And I think at the time they drafted Blaine Gabbert, I mm-hmm. think, first, and then eventually ended up having Bortles. So still trying to figure out that quarterback position, right? And then we just didn't have a lot of – we had zero star power on our team. Uh, we had I was in the secondary. I got signed after I left Seattle's training camp in the whole secondary. How do you stay motivated? I, well, me, I'm just psychotic. I just love football. Right. I love football. But I will say this. This is where I I gave a lot of respect to Gus Bradley because it was challenging. And he came in every single day, like sticking to the script, super excited, motivating, never wavered, yeah. what have you. Despite, we started the season 0-8. And that was, that was in, plus in Jacksonville. Let me ask you, Bryce Young last night. We have video. Yeah. The
2: defining trait of a star quarterback, not a franchise quarterback, a star is the ability to overcome. Battle line, average coordinator. Is it fair when I look at Bryce Young? C.J. Stroud appears to be an overcomer. Bryce isn't. Can be a franchise quarterback. He's not an overcomer. He's not big enough, strong enough. Gifted enough to be an overcomer. Bryce Young, C.J. Stroud, four backup O-linemen. First-time play caller. Week one, Ravens making throws. Is it fair? I'm not calling him a bust, but Bryce right. has yeah, I wouldn't, not an
5: overcomer. I wouldn't even bring that word bust up yeah. at, at all. I would say qualities I like is, are two things. Like, How are you able to handle just adversity in general? Right, like that's a that's a big deal for sure. me if I'm evaluating a quarterback. And then, right, if you're looking for the spar part, star part, how can you overcome it despite whatever's going on around you? Because there's always obstacles. There's always stuff going around. If you're still, if you're able to overcome it and and not let it affect you, that's one thing. But two, like two different cultures, like what's going on in Carolina, what's going on in Houston. I I just not even being that, I just know it's, it's different cultures. Right, and right. watching a lot of. Uh, cj Strauss interviews he he really you can tell that he and, and bobby slowick have a instant automatic communication because he talks about a lot of things that, that a lot of freedom that cj has he talks about he has and that things that he'll recommend and they'll allow him to do and right now it looks like you know bobby slowick is calling plays that go right into his wheelhouse what he likes to do yeah you and know that matters. and and plus, in, in D'Amico, just the consensus of how he is oh, just as a culture, as a leader. I you mean, know. the
2: Niners knew he was a rocket ship. No question. So, the Bills were having a players-only meeting. Did you ever have a players-only meeting
5: anywhere? <laughs> I, I had a players-only meeting in, on every team that I played for.
2: <laughs> is there any time they made a difference? It always feels like the coach is gone once you go there.
5: Yeah, I think... When I it's when I was on the Giants in 2011, I think we had about six player-only meetings because Coughlin was so oh, rough. Huh? Um, no. So this is what Coach Coughlin did. He re, did really well. He had his own like leadership committee. Yeah. So he you know he met with like six guys or, or whatever it was, and pretty much if there is issues in the locker room, like you guys handle it. Now, if the problem's too big, you come to me. We'll keep having check-ins here and there. And I think we had oh because I think the intro role. And Deion Grant, like there was always something like wrong, but, but I love the, the player meetings because it, it's always, um, let's get stuff out. You know, I know we're going to touch on coach McCarthy soon, but he was big on saying conflict is good like yeah. because it allows everyone to be honest and, and figure out I mean, what's do you going talk on. About
2: personal stuff play calling schemes
5: we talk about just trying to have everyone be on the same page culture-wise because what happens is when a lot is going on when things aren't right there's probably a lot of finger pointing there's probably a lot of isolation you know different position groups that hang out with each other hey let's just take care of our side let's take of our side versus like let's take care of it as a team and usually what these player owner meetings are like let's get back to what we are especially like with buffalo like they the past, like, four years, they've been picked to go deep in the playoffs or even the Super Bowl, and right. they're sitting at, what, five and four right now, I believe it is. Um, it's like, you know, we're not who we are right now. I want our staff to
2: show – because all I cared about last night, the only standings I care about is the draft board. Yep. So Chicago's got three wins, and at their schedule, they've got too many games they can win. Justin Field comes back. They're going to win a game or two. They're going to end up with four or five games. I won't give them six – They're not going to get one of the top two to three quarterbacks. They have to have Carolina lose, and their schedule's got a lot of home games against Atlanta, Tampa. Here's the interesting one. Let's say Arizona ends up at number two. Mm -hmm. I don't think they will. I think Kyler's too gifted they'll win games. I would argue everybody here on this draft order. He's a quarterback? Well, yeah. They'd all draft it, even Sean Payton. They would all draft it. But the one I have pause with is Kyler Murray. Because he took a franchise. We don't like the owner. Front office wasn't great. The coach got fired. Niners, Seahawks, Rams in the division. He got them to the playoffs. I don't want to hear anybody's recency bias. That Overcome, Ky- right? Oh, there's no question. Kyler right? Murray's yeah. an absolute overcomer. Huge talent. We've all forgotten. We do this with Joe Burrow. He doesn't play well in September. We forget how great he was six months earlier. Joe Burrow's unbelievable. Would you, if, if Kyler Murray, you had Arizona, one or two, would you keep Kyler or go with the college guys? Because I think it's tougher than people make it out to. I know Kyler has the rare quality to overcome. I don't know if Drake May has that. Right. What would you do? Is it, you want to be in the front office. No doubt. General manager, you have the number two
5: pick. Would you get Drake May restart the clock on the quarterback? Absolutely not. I'm sticking with Kyler. And because, with Kyler Murray, he has the history. And this is what I was going to mention with Bryce Young, too. They have a a winning history, right? Like, they've won. High
2: school, college, They've won
5: everywhere they were. And with Kyler, despite, yes, he may have a strong personality. He may have certain things. But I feel like, okay, just having him in the building and knowing him, I'm not too concerned. But what he does have, like, he does have the the ability to overcome. He does have that clutch gene. Oh, there's no question. He he could have a terrible game, but then those last five minutes – He might give you some action. You know what I'm saying?
2: We would all argue that Pete Carroll, McVay, and Shanahan are three of the top seven coaches in the league. He got to the playoffs with Cliff Kingsbury. Don't tell me he's not a good quarterback. (laughs) I I don't want to hear it.
5: You said that. I didn't say it. No, I'm just
2: saying I got nothing against Cliff, but the dude got to the playoffs in that division. Give me a break. That is an absolute over... Now, I know you're rolling your eyes, but my take is the number one trait of a franchise quarterback is the ability to overcome. Even Brady... Outside of the Mosh years, he didn't have a dominant receiver. I mean, Brady had stuff to overcome. Belichick, rigidity, McDaniels, he had stuff to overcome. All right, so I'm going to ask, you know the Cowboys. So Will wants to be in the front office. I would hire him tomorrow. I'd keep a close eye on some of your craziness with your picks, but I'd hire you tomorrow.
5: Hey, you got to be crazy, right? You're going to (laughs) be mad some way, right?
2: (laughs) But Dallas is interesting. So they're great at home as a favorite. They match up with teams. Yeah, they won the 12 straight at home, right? No, they're great. But situationally, they drive me crazy.
5: When Give me you, an example.
2: End the Philadelphia, last two drives. They don't, go, they don't have any urgency in the second to last drive. And then on the last drive, what are you doing here? What are you throwing before the goal line? You know that's not going to work. Get over the line. Philadelphia lined up five defensive backs to pounce on C.D. Lamb. Little things. The 17 seconds, Dak running, sliding against the Niners. What, what are we doing here? Come on, what are we doing? I don't like them situationally.
5: You were there with this team, this camp from yeah, from May to September. I was there for a long time.
2: Any warnings? Anything you what did you love about it and what did you would you do differently? For the offense? Just the team. What did you watch? What culture? It's an aggressive culture defensively for right. sure. Did you like that part of it?
5: No, I I do like that, especially with Dan Quinn. Like I love the fact that his defense allows everyone to make plays. You know, if you're if you're a pass rusher, there's ways you're going to get highlighted to pass rush really well. If you're a corner, you're going to be in situations where you can make a play on the ball. You know, um, and as a safety, you're able to survey and you're going to be in, in the in the in the box to make plays. Also, if you have the range, you know, to go side on the sideline, like you're going to be able to make plays there. So, so, so I too like the aggressive thing there. And offensively, the the old line really, especially when Zach came back, Zach Martin, when he, that that was huge because that that group is obviously the, the meat and potatoes of yeah. of the offense and the thing that was looking to see get elevated was okay the receiver group you know especially the emergence of CD Lamb like my biggest thing for CD watching him prior was like yes he's he has the the acrobatics like an OBJ not just practice but him training like he took everything seriously and i think the acquisition of Brandon Cooks helped because there is there's not a more professional guy I've been around than than Brandon Cooks. Like what he brought to that team, him and Gilmore, both true professionals. So, but yeah, in terms of strategic, like it's Mike always had a he always had a, a just a balanced offense. You know, he's like, look, I want to try to have long drives and keep my defense fresh. So When they come in, they can just pin their ears back and go after the the team as well too. So, I get it. What people they just want fly downfield, put up fifty points that they not can. Who Mike is. Yeah. And he's like, look, we're gonna we're gonna be efficient and we're gonna go win games. And something Mike does well, he does he does well winning games. His you know his percentage is, is one of the highest right now. Um so and I'm not I'm not mad at that. I don't mind the the balanced offense and then you have a defense that can go out there and and get it done. So but the the hard thing is too is if the sometimes if you are able to calm down The a balanced offense, and they're not hitting explosives, now it's like, okay, we got to now get in our other duffel bag of explosive plays. So that's the part where it could backfire. I can see that. Yeah.
2: All right, finally, Deion Sanders. Yes. He says, I'm not built for the NFL.
5: Um, he said he's not built for the NFL. Is he? he I think he would do fine because – he won't have to do so more mentoring I think him especially i you know I've known Dion since I've been in the NFL um, we had the same agent he trained me before the combine I did all his youth camps when he was um, coaching high school and stuff like that so I have a really cool relationship uh, with Dion and just from him coaching high school or even Pop Warner having his camps, having Prime U, like he was all about like the mentorship part. So when you are a college coach, you are getting, as a parent, they're giving you their child to help them continue to develop and grow and, and and be an outstanding young man. And I feel like to the NFL, if he got to the NFL, that part wouldn't have to be so much that. He'll just be there trying to build a culture. And now with the NFL being extremely young, I think, that him building that culture would be more suited you know because i think they'll
2: would they'll, you listen to an owner who was impulsive
5: it would, gender- it, would but it would have to be a good situation though he wouldn't go to a place where the him and the owner are going to be honestly.
2: yeah i mean I'm, by the way i think owners have gotten richer uh coaches salaries are rounding errors i think owners have never been i, I don't remember a time when i thought owners were crazier in the NFL, right? Because they have so much money now. It's one thing if you're worth six hundred million dollars. You don't want to write a forty-four million dollar check to get rid of a coach. When I'm worth two point nine billion, I, the the poorest owner in the NFL is worth a billion. That's I think Mike Brown of the Bengals. Yeah, Packers don't have an owner. The, the average thing- owners worth seven billion dollars. F- Forty million dollars to get another coach is a rounding error. You make that on the market your company in a day.
5: Right, and I think too, like being a head coach. Sure, you hire someone who's probably a really good coordinator, or have you? But people forget that person also has to be a CEO, and so that's why it is important when you become a head coach. Like, who do you hire? Like, who do you bring on as your staff? So, I think Dion, depending on who he brought with him to coach, I think he would be a really good CEO. You know, as a head coach, well, like he's, me, he's proven that at college. Yeah, like like me. If I were to be a head coach, I'm gonna make sure I bring some ammo in terms of like who's coaching because I think overall. I'd be good at like managing like a whole team, but like for me to like actually sit there and be the one calling plays and have to manage, like, that would be tough. One more question, Jordan Love, you've been a Packer. I've they're, been a Packer. They don't have I an got owner. Packer
2: tattooed on my leg. They actually. wear Dockers. There, they're very nice people. Who wears Dockers? Everybody in Green Bay. The you whole don't town. do that. They're yes, not they do. wear Dockers. They do. Everyone they, does not wear Dockers. No, no,
5: they eat pizza. Uh, they from, wear Dockers uh, here in L.A.
2: Nobody I know. Khakis. The point being, they've they got a Midwest ethos. They, they go to shopping malls. <laughs> they're very normal
5: people. Go to shopping malls. They go to malls. What's the last time you've been to Green Bay?
2: They go to the Wisconsin Dell Mall. <laughs> that is ridiculous. Okay.
5: Yes. They're, they're, so, yes, when I, when I was there last, it's yeah. been a long time. Sure. Yeah. There were chain restaurants and there were yes. shopping malls. And no,
2: no. Right? And they go to breakfast at Pizza Hut every day. That's who they are, and I love them for it.
5: Don't do that. They don't freaked? don't say that while I'm on the show. Are they freaking out about Jordan
2: Love? Because they know it doesn't work. They're freaking out, aren't they? Behind You know that organization. There's no owner. I don't know that organization. But they, those doctors get real tight. Jordan loves not
5: playing well. I'm not. What? Why am I wrong? Yes, that's messed up, man. What? <laughs> where are you from again? <laughs> 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 are you from Washington? Hey, we, we, hey, is that where he's from? The Washington? big city. Yeah, big city. People don't be like, oh, everyone's ugly because they got messy hair because of the rain. They don't say that.
2: I didn't see anybody as ugly. I said they were dockers. <laughs> no, that they, they
5: was not wearing tight dockers. <laughs> Some are loose. The point <laughs> being, are they freaking out right now?
2: They are. I, I don't think.
5: think they're freaking out. I think they're just—they're not sure. Green Bay is a place where they—they they trust what's going on in the in the front office usually, and I think they trust their people. They—they they were, and it was—it was hard. I was there again. We—we we said this several times when Favre left. We're like. Okay, but you know we knew like who we had in terms of with how Aaron. About,
2: how about this? Aaron leaves, he's hurt. Green Bay tries love, it doesn't work. By and large, in the NFL, if it's working, don't get a divorce. Aaron would have been better off to stay. Not working in New York, the O line stinks. If he came back tomorrow, he'd be running for his life. One receiver. Green Bay's got love, doesn't work at all. They should have just stayed together. By the way, that's most couples. If you're not throwing pots and pans at each other, make it work. Get therapy. Not, I'm divorced. Well, who am I talking about? <laughs> the, the point being, I look at Green Bay and I look at Aaron and Green Bay and my takeaway is they should have stayed together. It worked. They won like Listen, Once they went
5: Once, once uh, Gunakus went and got his guy, that was it. He went and got his quarterback. You'd you bail on him. He huh? said, watch him at practice. Nope. He went and got his guy. And as you know, Aaron follows a certain type of way. He, yeah. he poured his his three fingers of tequila. Is that what it was? And nah, then... Whatever he does, I don't know.
2: I don't. I, you know, he's a pushback guy. I don't. No, mind. He's not.
5: He's, he, a he's not a conformist. You are a pushback guy. No, no. I'm you a con- are. I'm a
2: conformist. You're a conformist. Yeah. He's contrarian. I'm a conformist. I'm a rule follower.
5: That is. That I is, haven't just... had a
2: speeding ticket in like 25 years.
5: Yeah, because you probably say I'm Colin Cowherd. <laughs> no, I don't. And they wouldn't probably care. Probably some of the people here. No, <laughs> You'd probably get a ticket if you said that. No, I don't, do, I don't play that game.
2: I'm a conformist. Aaron's a contrarian. And I, you know you what? never name drop. Nope. Don't do it. I'm not into it. First of all, this name doesn't get me very far. Um, <laughs> trust me on that. It doesn't get me far. I'm making a, no, I wouldn't get that either. Uh, you know, maybe I'll get you a You probably
5: got pulled over. He's like, look, what's your business? I'll give you a free shout out on I the show. I just pointed
2: to this and go, seen this moneymaker? <laughs>
5: I'll be on my way. Um, yeah, I mean, he, but he did say like he wasn't sure, right? And then he just moved he, off. He just said that. Yeah, he, he said about Jordan. He said I wasn't sure. Those was not exact words. No, they're I not. He it doesn't work. Question. It's okay. It doesn't work.
2: All right, I gotta get. We went a little long. You defended Green Bay. I love that loyalty. That's part of your makeup. That I. Love. I
5: have a Packer tattoo on my calf, man. Let me I see just, it. No.
2: Let me see it. I got jeans
5: on.